Uh, right. Hello, uh, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, it's the 20th of April 2020. Um, and well, today we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff to do with the FX indices and commodity markets. Big moves on the commodity markets, particularly oil today. We're going to talk about the stock market as well. Uh, as we move into U.S. Um, earnings season, a lot of commentary about the U.S. stock guidance. And of course, actually, is the pandemic starting to slow down in some places, arguably, if you believe all the uh, all the data? Um, we are talking about some economic reopening as well. So there's a lot to go through. And to sh help me cut through all of this sort of stuff is our resident expert, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Uh, morning, all. Hello. Hi, right, uh, staying safe, Mr. Miller, we hope. Staying safe, locked away in my little uh, home office, absolutely. Good, good. So, um, well, let us uh, let us know, Joe, what uh, what do we know? What's What's been going on? Uh, yeah, markets, well, uh, first of all, markets this morning, um, Monday morning, that is, uh, starting uh, the week a little bit on back foot uh, with um, concern over uh, US earnings. Of course, we're going to find out how things are really uh, going on with um some more Q1 earnings reports, but we'll get on to that um, later on. Uh, and oil uh, slumping as well, but, and again, we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, last week, markets sort of didn't do a lot. It was really US markets. If you sort of turn your screen off um, a little bit early on Friday uh, evening, you'd have missed the last hour, and the S&Ps rallied, uh, gosh, 30, 35, 30, 38 points, something like that in the last hour. And it was a bit like that on Thursday as well, because um, we, we had some pretty darn news out during the week. And to see this sort of what I call a risk correction continue, it's just quite interesting um, to see some sort of positivity, uh, despite the bad numbers, actually pervading the market and I think uh, I was I was surprised by Friday evening's move actually because I actually saw that sort of big spike up came right back down all of a sudden we were trading a bit lower on the day as we got to about sort of 6 p.m mm. UK time and I thought mm, that's uh, mm. that's not a very positive sign is it <laughs> and uh, but of course no. a bit of profit taking no. into the weekend and so on um, but yeah mm. it had a big um, big old push again into the close it was it, it, it was surprising yeah. and actually I, uh, I that was... ended up with the the best that's the best two-week period um on the u.s indices for 82 years um even yeah. though there's been 22 million job losses uh, yeah. we, 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 we yeah quite and smoke it as they say yeah, yeah. i mean it, it has been an extraordinary uh run of numbers isn't it uh, across the board but uh I, i'm whether whether the markets are right the markets are just what they are they're, they're a living breathing um sort of uh sort of market and and they go they don't do everything in a straight line and the market and participants in the market are trying to decide what these companies are worth and that's why you know we were talking about some of the stocks that uh, we can talk about now before coming on air as it were and it's just interesting to see how some of them have actually really outperformed and how they have had, actually had quite an impact on the market and it's not all rosy for all the other constituents but um yeah um, but other, yeah, other than Amazon, the, being, Amazon being one of them, the amount of Amazon uh, buses I'm seeing, th uh, buses, what am I talking about? Uh, vans uh, going through my, yeah. past my road is, is ridiculous. So people are, people are buying a lot on that sort of stuff. And of course, that's been reflected in their share price as well, isn't it, Jerry? Yeah, absolutely, hasn't it, Just Golly? Uh, I, I have to put, hold my hand up and say that, you know, to survive in terms of, sort of keeping body and soul together, yeah, I use Amazon a lot. Oh my God, the cardboard in my 
barn garage is just getting out of hand. Uh, but uh, yeah, Amazon, absolutely. Market cap's gone through the roof. I think uh, 1.18 trillion now, Adrian. Um, it was around $1,680 uh, mid-March, something like that. Now, $2,400 a share. Just That's extraordinary. Amazing. And it's in fact, it's actually, it's actually about 10% higher than its peak before this all um, kicked off. It's yeah. not I many mean, when stocks I say it's higher now, are they? Let's face it. No, no, that's right. When and I say the fact that it's the biggest company in the world is, is, is staggering, really. Yeah. But if ever this sort of pandemic played into their hands uh, with retail on its knees, apart from supermarkets, of course, in steps, up steps um, Amazon. You know, if you can't, you can order drink, you can order bolts, you can order wood, you can order drills, you can, you can get whatever you want. And the thing about it is I would love to use independent retailers, but the number of them are shut down because they're not yeah. um, key to, uh, um, you know, to general everyday life. Um, I, I do. I was actually talking to my wife the, the other day, you know, yesterday, in fact, about what this pandemic and lockdown might mean for retailers going forward is this going to be an even further um nail in the the, the coffin of the high street because the people now the ones that weren't used to ordering online are now having to order online suddenly they're going to get more used to it there's going to be more ordering online and sort of less on the high mm. street i just sort of wonder if this is mm. you know, not good uh fundamentally well, least, for the high street at least a lot of retailers aren't suffering through having perishable goods going off apart from the likes of um, garden centers and stuff. I mean, they're hit to them. It's just extraordinary. And that's something you yeah. just don't get. You don't get mail order. Well, actually, ironically, my wife did take delivery of some mail order plants for the garden, but it's quite a sort of specific technology that's used to deliver plants fresh in a box via the internet. Uh, and I just think you're right. Um, I mean, are we going to end up with just Coffee shops and estate agents on the high street. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> and bookies. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. think that the, the thing is, you, you're absolutely right. I was, I was <laughs> talking to my wife about um, uh, the um, the places for, for for plants and so on as well, because everyone should be buying bedding plants probably this time of year, but nobody is. Yep. And this is no. probably killing time for garden centres now. But of course, they're going to miss that whole thing. And if they can't go out and shop for maybe a few months, do people then just not buy for a year? Mm, yeah, could be, right. could be could be quite painful. In, interesting impact, of course, on garden centres. But then on the other side of the coin, seed merchants. Oh my gosh! Um, just all the ones that I remember from of old, where you buy seeds from garden centres, and you can now go direct to them, and they're so busy, and everyone's growing their own stuff from seed. Because they can't get it ready grown from garden centres. We've all got time to uh, to actually grow them properly for once. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Haven't we, we just? Okay, yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's uh, shares um, on the on the foreign exchange markets, Adrian. The uh, dollar was slightly firmer last week. Um, uh, the euro shed uh, about 60 odd points against the euro, which is not a lot in the circumstances. That's about half percent. Sterling Sterling had a better week of it um, rebounding um, a little bit but we've struggled to get above that 126 level against the dollar um, i think there's a uh, uh, weekly uh, resistance there if you go back on the uh, yeah, weekly chart you've got the daily there if you have a look 
I think it's around 126. Yeah. You have to go back a little while. 93. We've got a bit. Yeah, of and I think it's banging into that. That's what's causing it to um, struggle a bit. But it's still, you know, gosh, better than it was at 115 or whatever it was. But uh, um, so not a lot of action really uh, in comparison China to China cut rates. Some, I saw. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Gosh, yeah, central banks and governments, whatever they've thrown at this market. Someone was asking me in our workshop this morning, you know, will do you expect the central banks to do any more? And, you know, I, I said they haven't just thrown the kitchen sink at it. They've thrown the fridge, the cooker, the microwave and the tumble dryer at it. I mean, it's just unprecedented. And, and mm. this is for someone, you know, we were quite active in the great financial crisis age. And then I dare I say, I go back a lot longer than you. So I remember stock market crashes and stuff but this is a lot worse than that um you know the the imf midweek uh, last week warned that the global economy would experience the biggest slowdown since the 1930s now i do know some old people but not that old <laughs> and, and so there's no one i can talk to about it but it looks horrendous and, and the weird thing is the market is in this bubble because it it's been supported by the central banks and governments and quite rightly so but i just don't know what the lasting impact is going to be on the markets and that's something everyone would love to know and i certainly don't have the answer and i guess this is where these q1 reports are going to be quite quite telling because whilst q1 is not really the results i'm going to show us too much because it was kind of the very very back end of q1 really wasn't it when it started kicking in but yeah that's right more, uh, particularly in the states anyway um but it's really the guidance and what their perceptions will be for q2 q3 i mean that's that's going to be the interesting part of this uh, earnings season isn't it yeah and and, and if the CFOs, the chief financial financial officers, can't say with any certainty. What's the market going to think? Yeah, let's roll the dice and buy their company. What the hell? They won't, I can't believe they will. A lot of investors are taking advantage of some of the um, capital raising initiatives by some companies that are desperate to get some capital on board, the, the hospitality sector in particular, and getting some great deals there. Uh, but it's coming at a cost to the companies and their original shareholding, as it were. But uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I, I'd love to have a fast forward button and see how it turns out, because the, the, I believe there's a lot more uncertainty in the market than, than the sort of the standard and poor S&P 500 and the Dow are sort of showing us. I, I, it just looks... Yeah manufactured anyway time will tell well uh, there you go you kind of love to know who's actually buying uh, up at these levels on the equity markets wouldn't you is it is it institutions or is it sort of more the retail side because uh, i have a feeling it might be the latter but anyway we'll, yeah, we shall yeah, see yeah um commodities um, uh, uh, you're actually seeing uh, nymex crude below 14 dollars now what on earth What's going on yeah that's pretty shocking isn't it? it it's a bit of a technical picture this morning this happened um, overnight in the far east obviously uh us oil or wti that's the domestic oil in the united states west texas intermediary uh, it has been absolutely clobbered uh 
currently trading below 14 bucks as you've just said closed on friday night around 1840 something like that so horrendous i to see it to see it down 20 percent again this morning is just extraordinary and it's partly all uh, a lot of analysts saying it's largely let's say sort of 70 percent down to the expiry of the futures contract this is the may futures contract which goes off the board tomorrow i think the last trading day is today and it settles tomorrow anyway the next contract after May is June. This is June WTI, and that's trading around 23.30, something like that. So is the price going to suddenly pop up? I don't know. Or is June going to start falling after May expires? We, we don't know. So but can you market... just explain just for a second, Jerry, what, why May will be trading at $10 less, uh, approximately $9, $10 less than June's uh, oil for effectively the same product? What's the, what's the problem there? Okay. okay. In June, they expect supplies to be significantly lower because a third of oil, all US oil rigs are out of action now at these prices. But it's the current production that's sloshing around the system in pipes and in storage tanks that is pressuring any long positions in the May contract. It's still possible that June could fall, but that's why there's a big difference between May and June. Remember, we've got the OPEC plus cuts of 10 million barrels per day kicking in at the beginning of May. Now, you might think, well, hang on a second, you just talked about the May futures contract, but the May futures contract expires before the beginning of May, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's a deliverable, first it takes a little while for it to be Correct, so the contract we'll be interested in is the June contract, uh, when May goes off the board, as it were. But nevertheless, everything is under pressure. Look what happened last week. US oil, or WTI, was off nearly $4. That's about 18%. UK oil, or Brent, which is a global oil contract rather than the domestic focused US oil contract um, uh, was down three and a half dollars roughly, which is 11%. Uh, so mm. UK oil or Brent got absolutely clobbered as well. And you might say, well, nothing like as US oil, but if I told you something had fallen 10% in a week, you think, whoa, big moves, very, very big moves. Um, and if you hark back to when Trump was taking all the plaudits for pushing the Saudi and Russian uh, detente, which resulted in this uh, OPEC plus uh, production cut. I wonder how he feels now. You know, it, it, it's, yeah, anyway, he probably thinks, well, my, my approval rating is going up because the stock market's going up, so I don't mind it. But he's got a lot of friends in the oil industry that will be uh, knocking on his door. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, we. I read. Um, I read reading an article um, first thing this morning. It was talking about them saying that they reckon Trump will provide incentives uh, to shale companies to keep it all in the ground. Uh, don't not to drill it, uh, basically, or frack it, uh, whatever they're doing. So. <laughs> no fracking. Well, I don't think they yeah. can afford to. I mean, the most efficient shale oil company apparently has got costs of about 40 odd dollars a barrel and you just think surely it's 13 14 dollars a barrel you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know the best thing to do is just to turn the switch off and come back when it right goes back up again i'd like to think even my three-year-old oscar could work that one out but who knows yeah. well they're saying that the authorities in um uh, is it texas and where's the other one is it oklahoma Where, wherever it is they're, they're talking about forcing the oil companies to stop drilling to stop fracking yeah. to um you know take take the uh, supply out of the equation some more supply out of the equation but you'd think the laws of supply and demand price goes down you can't afford to produce it you stop producing it so demand uh, sorry supply stops and demand 
then increases and guess what price goes back up again and that's yeah. how supply and demand works but uh, and the see. issue being of course they can keep producing it and not selling it but then they've got to store it and there's nowhere to store it that's kind no, of a problem none it, it's literally every spare capacity is used up there are tankers floating around the world's oceans full of oil moored in places waiting for the price to go up and all they've seen is the price go down and of course everyone's hedging their the, the value of their cargoes and you know if you're in the you've got a u.s oil or you know you're talking about hedging it at just ridiculously low levels it's a ghastly situation Aidan. i gotta say i feel for the oil traders uh you know the sing there's one singapore oil trader I can't remember what his name is, Ineon, whatever the name is, um, they're having to file for bankruptcy protection because they're completely kiboshed by this move. You know, they're probably hugely long of oil, lots of oil sitting in storage facilities that is worth a lot less than it was when they priced it. Yeah, frightening. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, just, just, well, let's just think about that for a second. I mean, let's look at the NYMEX contract to see where it actually has come from. Because you, you kind of get lost in the percentages after a while, don't you? But I mean, here we are at $13, whereas it was $76 in October 18. So in 18 months, uh, it's gone from $76 to $13. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, for a commodity well, that's sort of the almost the backbone of the uh, of the global, global world, have something that's so volatile in price like that, it's a bit, I just find it mind-boggling, uh, really. I mean, we, we, we're sort of used to volatility in foreign exchange markets at, at being sort of a 1% move. It's quite a big move in forex markets. Yeah. Then yeah. you look at equities and think, yeah, a 2% move, that's quite big. But in commodities, look at crude today, at US yeah. crude. It's 20% well, move in a day. If, if, you, if you look at the chart here, you've got the average true range at, um, you know, there. So that's the, for those of you who don't know that are listening, it's the, it's not quite this, this exact calculation, but it's effectively the size of the candlesticks, the size of the daily ranges. It's not quite that, but in layman's terms, we'll, we'll go with it. Um, so effectively, we've got an average shoe range at the moment of about $3. But that's $3 at a $20 price. That's a $15, a 15% uh, average shoe range. So you're expecting a normal range between the high and the low of 15%. Whereas, you know, it was $1.70 when it was $50. Uh, and so on. So you, you've got the average range, which is absolute in dollars and cents, is double now, even though the price is probably about a third of uh, of what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, that so sums it up. It's nutty. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it's six times as volatile now, I suppose. Yeah, isn't it? it's, it's, yeah that's yeah. It's horrendous. But it's it sort of you don't get twenty percent moves on a day. It just doesn't happen. It is happening, yeah. but it doesn't happen. <laughs> if you know what I mean. But <laughs> yes. I mean, but I mean, but I mean, oil. You know, but the last time it went down here, and roughly at these sort of levels, but a bit higher on the, on Brent oil, I should say. But it was around February uh, 2016, and everyone was saying, you know, this market has just been completely overdone. There was a big panic. All the funds were long of it, and um, it just sort of hit lower and lower prices, and it rebounded. Um, but that was based on sort of sound fundamentals this is you know 10 million barrels a day cut in production but consumption's being hit by 30 million barrels a day you, you just you, just the numbers don't add up you know no um, 
there. Um, so we'll see. that's enough on oil. Should we move on uh, a little bit? I, I know that there's a, a little bit of talk about um, some of the uh, some of the countries starting to open up a little bit, a gradual reopening of uh, uh, of some of the economies. Um, it's an interesting chart on Market Watch, Jerry, which I, I know we talked uh, briefly about earlier. Sort of gives the phases. I don't know how accurate a lot of this data is, though, to be fair. But um, of where countries are with new cases after they hit their hundredth case effectively so you can see the uk as uh, the red number just sort of tailing off a touch there um but of course the danger now is that we we see everything starting to tail off on a lot of these countries and we start to ease you've got some countries like sweden who have basically reopened all their restaurants and schools and you know just banned gatherings of more than 50 people and so on you sort of wonder as we go into this phase, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because Germany have just started talking about how they can reopen small shops, secondary schools will begin to reopen from the 3rd of May and so on. You sort of wonder if this will be open and then, then there might be a case of, oh, actually, God, we shouldn't have done that. And then suddenly it'll then because it'll tick up again. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Is that is that likelihood? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I've seen plenty of research to suggest that Whatever happens, until we get any a therapy that um, reduces the severity of the infection, but most importantly, until there's a vaccine, we're never going to get herd immunity. Herd immunity is anything from 60 to 80% of the population that are immune to the virus by way of having had it or um, being inoculated or vaccinated against it. And that's just not close. So, I you know, these epidemiologists uh, who talk about this R coefficient, which is the number of um, reinfections that each infected person is responsible for. And as, as long as it's below one, it means that the infection rate will fall. But if you have gatherings of 50 people, you only, or 20 people, you only need to have someone who's got it, who doesn't know he's got it, or she's got it, to give it to 50 people or 20 people or whatever it is, and they do the same thing. And that's how it spread so quickly in Italy. Mm. So and, and until we're testing everyone, and we're able to say, no, you haven't got it. No, you've got it. Please don't come out again. I, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Um, I can understand the economic costs compared to the medical uh, and life costs, but I, for one, you know, and I think a lot of people are the same. I know there's been a number of polls where people have sort of seen what's happened to Boris Johnson here in the UK and have thought, well, a lot of worse things have happened to us. Uh, we're not fighting a war. We're not, you know, you're having to stay at home uh, and not go out. Uh, it, it's not a, not that bad. Uh, and I just think if it is too premature, you will have a significant spike back up again and we'll go through the same thing again until there's a vaccine, you know. Mm. There's no, I don't think there's anything clever or secret about this, but um, a lot of countries are doing different things. And I think the UK have got to take the advice and um, uh, feedback from the medical experts as to how they um, uh, react and advise their population. And I think we're doing the right, well, I'm sure we're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. There's, an, there's another interesting article, which I've only got halfway through it, but it's worth having a look at it, um, which is, See if I can find it now on marketwatch.com, which it talks about, you know, whether it's worth it or not. You know, you look at what the actual cost is. Um, I'll just leave it out there, and people can have a look on marketwatch.com themselves. But it talks about what mm. the actual cost of all of this lockdown is compared to um, 
the benefit of it in terms of uh, what it avoids. I mean, it's purely monetary, but it's it, it's quite interesting. The, 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 the trouble cost benefit when the cost to people is their lives. It's it's quite difficult to sort of quantify all of that stuff. Yeah, and Extremely. you know, I. And, and I'm sure the lockdown will be done in phases. Uh, Adrian, you know I'm of, a, of more mature years uh, and I'm, I might be more vulnerable, I don't know, but I certainly think, you know, I've got three daughters, I'm sure they'll be fine. They're quite fit and healthy, they do a lot of exercise, they're young, they're probably gonna be okay. And I do feel for a lot of businesses that are struggling because, you know, especially in hospitality, uh, but there's no quick fix or easy fix for it. and. and but maybe that's a start. But I think a lot of things, people they were talking about pubs reopening. How on earth can a pub reopen and have lots of people in a crowded in a room yeah. drinking alcohol or eating together? And we, we, we also talked about EasyJet. Was it EasyJet that was going to have the middle seat free? Yeah, how that's just ridiculous. How does that stop the spread? So it, it, some of it is common sense to me uh, and some of it is based on sort of just yeah logic uh, i i'm sure the likes of gilead we were looking at those adrian as well this uh, yeah, gilead yeah. sciences that have come up with this um drug that um apparently um uh, is quite good therapy for um it's an antiviral drug it's not a drug it's not a vaccine uh, but as soon as you've got therapies that prevents the national health service or hospitals uh, in different countries being overwhelmed by people who have to go onto this CPAP and, and ventilators, then I think it sort of makes it slightly easier to, uh, you know, consider the relaxing of these lockdown rules, etc. But there's a lot of really vulnerable people out there who just should stay put, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, this is the article here. Are we overreacting to the coronavirus? Let's do the maths with an S at the end. Um, right. But uh, it, it's worth a read. Uh, so I only got about halfway down it, but it was um, it was quite interesting uh, actually. Uh, anyway, let's um, let's move on. Um, so, um, Mr. Miller, what about um, well? The data. What about the calendar? Um, what are we uh, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, this week. Yeah, it's. Um, not too much going on. Um, as you can see, uh, there's nothing much out uh, today. Let me just uh, quickly get to my notes. It seems like uh, these calendars are just getting shorter and shorter these days. I mean, ever since the lockdown, are, are we just not reporting on as much data now? It just doesn't seem like we've got as much now. The calendars normally just feel like they're so much bigger. Maybe yeah. they're just rating things differently now. Uh, no, I, th I, th I think I don't think it's changing much. Sometimes uh, Forex Factory is sort of classifying data uh, as being medium impact when I regard it as high impact. Um, I think I think they've moved a lot to medium impact uh, from mm -hmm. high because uh, you don't normally get many days of... Uh, I mean, it, it, it's weird, you know, they got the, the Euro flash manufacturing PMI data out on Thursday as a medium impact, whereas they've got the French and German flash manufacturing PMI data as high impact. So you just got to wonder what's right. But uh, anyway, yeah, let's just go through it. We got the first bit of data that's important, um, certainly here in the UK, is the unemployment uh, count or claimant count um, tomorrow. Uh, there's been a big spike in um, universal credit claimants, but nothing like the US uh, um, surge in uh, unemployment claims. But uh, uh, so that will be something to look at uh, tomorrow. Uh, it comes out at seven o'clock. Um, 
We also have a couple of surveys this week coming out of Germany. Uh, this first one is called the ZEW Economic Sentiment Indicator. It's a survey of all these uh, institutional investors and analysts. Um, it's going to be bad. Uh, minus 40 is horrendous, but not as bad as March's reading. Um, but you, if you click on the graph on the right-hand side, Adrian, you can see how poor this data has been. Um, mm. It's just um, yeah, been uh, falling off the edge of a cliff. Um, and it's just interesting to see how quickly it changed. They had a tough year last year um, and it was recovering and then it's just fallen back so quickly. And I think it's probably going to be uh, pretty horrendous. Um, so bad, but not as bad uh, for now. Uh, Wednesday, we've got CPI data out in the UK. That's inflation data. Um, well, or lack of inflation um, data. Mm. I think uh, the phrase down she goes, uh, and I'm sure everyone will now know, uh, although I'm not sure many people will be filling up at the petrol station. I did fill up um, last week. Um, that's the first time I filled up for about a month. Uh, I, I've taken the odd trip to the office for to turn on computers that have uh, just gone offline for some reason. Um, but uh, I, I hardly get out at all, but I filled up at 105, Adrian. So yeah. any, yeah. any, any logistics uh, operations will be having a, cut in, a significant cut in their operating costs with uh, the price of diesel and petrol um, coming under such severe pressure. And I'm sure it'll probably go lower as well. So no the pressure. Irony of, uh, the irony of cheap um, petrol is, of course, that no one's really, not many people are actually getting the benefit of it. No. But, uh, yeah. but then I say that we're not getting it. We're not actually using any of it. So that, you know, we do have the benefit of not paying anything in petrol, I suppose. No, no, that's um, right. That's right. It's a shame you can't store it, but you need a license to store it. And as, as yeah. fun as it would be to have a tank, a load of diesel for the next 10 years, you could live off at... Uh, a dollar, a pound, um, a litre. <laughs> um, right, what else have we got? What else? Uh, Thursday is really the important day, certainly for um, the Eurozone. Uh, you can see all these uh, manufacturing and services PMI data. These, re these um, measurements are really quite important because they tell us how these sectors are doing. So each economy is made up of a service sector and a manufacturing sector. In the developed West, um, typically the services account for about between 75 and 80 percent of a an economist's GDP. So it's the services bits that are more interesting. And one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is the expectation for Germany's um, flash services PMI at 29. I mean, it was so bad in March and it's um, expected at 29 for, um, well, in April for March, it's conditions, yeah. if you know what I mean. But just horrendous, absolutely horrendous across the board. Um, I, uh, yeah, um, it's just, it's got very, very bad. Are stocks vulnerable? Sort of, uh, but I think we're going to take our cue from the US earnings and we will get onto that in a second. Uh, Friday, uh, we have got retail sales in the UK. Um, well, just could be absolutely horrendous. Um, we haven't really reflected yet what's gone on um, and it just could be just anywhere from really bad to horrendous. Um, I know that um, economists are expecting a, a quarter on quarter fall of 35% in our gross domestic product if you annualized it, uh, which is just horrendous. Uh, it's the same in, in other European countries as well, but uh, don't be surprised how bad that number is. And then we talked about uh, the other, these German surveys. We've got this German IFO business survey, Adrian, 
um, yeah. which is um, the business. It's, it's a business climate survey. Um, all I should say to that is probably very stormy. Um, it's uh, a large survey and probably will tell us how bad conditions really are. So uh, that'll be a nice way of ending the week for uh, for the European markets. And then finally, durable goods. This this all used to be a high impact number agent. So I wonder what, why in their wisdom Forex Factory have put it into a uh, medium impact. But it's the core number we look at. And um, yeah, it's going to be a lot weaker than uh, minus 0.6% a lot lot weaker um okay and then, and then you also uh, mentioned um earnings jerry as well in the states yeah we can just finish with the earnings it's um an interesting week uh we've got um netflix is the one that um uh sticks out like a sore thumb i say sticks out like a sore thumb i uh, there are other really important ones as well but the reason why i'm interested in that is the stock price has done rather well and someone said to me well who isn't watching netflix and i thought surely lots of people aren't watching netflix but anyway they've they've uh, the streaming service has done particularly well um what are their what's the downside with for netflix i don't really know if people lose their jobs um and they you got 22 million people in the United States over three weeks have lost their jobs. Um, do they carry on paying for Netflix, Adrian? Well, I had a, a bit of a, uh, a rage moment about two years ago where I looked at my Sky bill and thought, right, that's it. I'm cancelling it. I'm getting out of it. Uh, so I did. And then I went to uh, Netflix. And I since about a few, two or three weeks ago, I subscribed to Disney Plus as well which has just right. started to stream here in the UK. Um, and I wonder if, because Netflix is like you know, nine pounds a month or whatever it is. Mm. Um, I actually wonder if the bigger casualty, if people can't afford and job losses, they'll mm. probably keep something, but they're going to drop the thing that's more expensive. I think the bigger casualty could end up being Sky, uh, to be honest, because yeah, that is significantly uh, more expensive than a, than a you know, a yeah. seven, eight, nine I, pound a I, month I, subscription service. I've never had Sky. I've never had Sky, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean to be honest, I'm... but Sky starts at like twenty-three pounds a month or something. Plus, once you add in anything that you actually do want to watch, you're suddenly looking at like fifty quid. And I looked at my bill, we included broadband and internet, you know, and phone. It was like ninety quid a month, and that's why I just oh. suddenly thought this is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's pretty toppy. Um, yeah. So I just dropped it all. Well, there we go. Well, there you go. There you go. So maybe Netflix at nine ninety nine or whatever it is, or six ninety nine if you. I think I pay for a service where you can have more than one person looking at it at the same time. Um, mm. Anyway, that's that's uh, Netflix. We've got AT&T, telecoms, IBM, uh, not computer manufacturer anymore. They're more into services, uh, consult consultancy service. Uh, Coca-Cola, we know what they do. Intel, making chips. That's um, um, silicon chips, not um, yes. <laughs> potato chips. Crisps. <laughs> and of course... Uh, yeah, crisp. Uh, but airlines, wow. So we've had some some good ones in there. I mean, the fangs generally. Do you remember them? The Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Apple, Google. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, generally done okay. The ones, that, uh, even Apple, which got smashed initially, its stock prices rebounded. So they haven't done too badly. So the companies, a lot of tech companies, have done sort of okay. But the airlines. I mean, I think mm -hmm. we've got Southwest Airlines, Delta Airlines. It's going to be horrendous. I was looking at Delta Airlines. I mean, they're down just huge. Uh, is it 57%, something like that? But it, it, it's, but no one's flying. 
uh, and they don't have enough cash to keep themselves going and they're having to tap investors and they need to be rescued by the government and all this sort of stuff. It's horrendous. And hotel groups as well, you know, just um, empty. Empty with no yeah. chance. Be careful of, with uh, your stock portfolio, uh, we shall say. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's it. I mean, uh, Netflix is out on Tuesday. The others come out sort of various times during the week. You, you need to check a calendar to go into detail of all of those. But uh, um, I think they're going to be uh, they all these announcements going to have quite a, an effect on the market. Um, could be yeah. positive. You never know. Then maybe they're going to say everything's fine. I doubt it, but maybe they well, do. <laughs> I mean, you know, you look you look at the results of our the strategies that we're teaching our students and. You know, this year we're up the best part of 25% from our end of day trading. And of course, that's at a time when the stock market's down around 25%. So, yeah. you know, there's it, a lot of people flooding into equities. And of course, it's an interesting time for that. But it's so cyclical and so, um, you know, speaking of long only investments, it's, it's you know, you need to be able to make money on the downside too. And that's where spread betting comes more popular. That's where trading CFDs comes more popular as long as you've got a good strategy to back it up, of course. And like I said, yeah. trading foreign exchange indices, commodities uh, like we do, we've had some fantastic results from this volatility. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even even from just end of day trading, of course, great results on the short term stuff because the intraday volatility is brilliant but you know the end of day stuff is uh it's been really producing great results for us students as well so um and actually with with with, with that in mind we're actually doing um we're doing three webinars this week um just introducing one of our strategies so it might be any listeners out there if you'd like to come along you can tune in to one of our live uh, events i'm just putting the link up on screen if you're watching us but if you're just listening um you can i'll read out the link it's bit.ly so bit.ly slash learn ts uh, so bit.ly slash learn ts that's our short link if you click on that or not click on it but if you go to that link um that'll bring up a booking page where you can reserve a place at one of our online live trading events where we teach one of our favorite trading strategies it's called the sniper strategy we'll teach you the three simple rules to help you boost your trading results um we'll teach you the strategy in full and also some of the clever shortcuts that we use to help um, become more accurate with our trading decisions as well so if you'd like to come along to that please make sure you do book your free place online so that link again bit.ly so bit.ly slash learn ts uh, and alternatively um to continue listening to the podcast which jerry and myself do every week um we um we're tuning on well, we're tuning streaming on a number of different places now uh, you can listen to us on itunes soundcloud spotify you can watch and listen on youtube as well or you can tune in for a live cast uh, on the mondays uh, at trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. Actually, that's the video there, but you can also register as well. Get in touch with us. You can register for a live cast as well. All you need to do is search online for the Trend Signal podcast at your favorite podcast place. Uh, okay, so that's pretty much it from me, uh, Jerry. We'll be back next week, won't we? I believe. Yep, definitely, yep. Good, and hopefully uh, a better picture on the economy and um, infection rates and so on. So stay safe, everybody, uh, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye for now. Yep. Cheers, bye now.